Okay, maybe this will be better. Hi. Hi. Has your computer ever had rapid onset diabetes? No. Mine has. Chris! Chris! Uh, he's not around anymore. Hey, Mitch! Uh, hi. Hey! Hey, do you know where Chris is? Uh, he was, I saw him, but he was looking very, very, very sick. I think he made, he ate some of his homemade quail plant waffle. And, Mm. uh, as we know, that's not something you eat. It's it's something to be admired from a distance, but yeah, no. yeah. So it is cooking. Um, yeah, I uh, heard he got engaged. So um, really, yeah. So don't expect to ever hear from him again. That's pretty much the short and long of it. So oh. uh, hey, everyone. This is uh, Control Structure episode fifty-one uh, for November whatever. Uh, I think it's the 19th. So, uh, I'm your host, Andrew Bailey, and, uh, this is, uh, Mitch Guy. Hi, I'm Mitch. (laughs) Or, uh, Matthew, rather. Mitch Matthew. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, big week? Oh, literally huge. It's been a huge week. So, uh... Uh, How about yours? Uh, mine's been, uh, sort of serious, uh, moving things to testing environments and uh, production environments at work it uh, you know kind of gets on on you a little bit that's a, are you having fun with it though like I know sometimes when you're doing something serious you just need to do something hilarious late in the move hmm like uh, I haven't quite figured that one out yet like have you, have you tested how easily you can be fired um well I've sort of been getting close to that or at least I I would like oh. to in in my mind, I think I am, but uh, you know, in reality, I think I'm still pretty good. So, well, that's good. Yeah. So uh, I heard you got fired from your uh, bookstore job. In a roundabout way, kind of. Like, uh, they they don't work for me, but they say they will right after Thanksgiving, and that now is the time to be slow and do not give me hours. Hmm. So I spent which, the evening at a temp agency, so... So... Tomorrow. So, and your sound quality just went down the drain again. So, we're just, I guess we're just gonna have to, you know, bear with it, so... See, I'm sorry about this. This is why I requested the studio, because normally it's, you know, It works here. Hey, this, this guy just must have YouTube now. <laughs> On uh, whatever ISP there is over there. Yeah, I think he uses CenturyLink for some crap. So, uh, YouTube is, uh, you know, how should I say this? YouTube on Fios has good days and bad days. So, good days, you know, are pretty good, but, um, you know, the bad days, absolutely nothing wants to work. So, you know, I just, I guess I just have to power through that, uh, you know, the... How should say the downtime, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I've been watching uh, quite a bit of streaming video lately, uh, thanks to Desert Bus for Hope Seven. Um, it's uh, currently going on right now. It's uh, remember Loading Ready Run. Uh, no, I do not. What was that? Uh, Loading Ready Run is a sketch comedy troupe from uh, Canada. You know that land up to the north. Uh, yeah. Al- although they're more over towards Seattle, but uh, they're a sketch comedy group, and they, for the past, oh, like nine years or so, they've been releasing, uh, you know, like hilarious sketches online. Um, so this is the seventh year that they're playing a horrible game called Desert Bus, uh, and they're raising money for Child's Play. Uh, that one uh, charity that gives uh, games and books to uh, sick kids in hospitals. So, oh, that's cool. So and, how does the game work? 
so the game itself uh, is essentially a, you know, models a bus going between, I think it's Flagstaff and Las Vegas uh, in real time. Uh, and it goes at like 55 miles an hour. And so like it takes like six hours one way. Um, and you get one point when you go one way. And then you can, then you go back the other way for another point. And, uh, as far as I know, it was never actually released. And I think it, it's, uh, like a Sega Master CD game, I think. You know, it's like from the early 90s. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, like, really boring, and, uh, uh, like, if you, uh, the bus sort of, like, uh, hangs to the right constantly, so, like, you'll eventually go off the road and you have to keep on steering left, um, and if you go off the road, a tow truck comes and picks you up, and where you will have to wait to be towed back also in real time to where you started from. It sounds actually kind of cool, like a little simulator thing. Yeah, it's like designed to be really, really, really boring. So, <laughs> so um, let's see, I, I watched it a little bit this evening. It looks like uh, Tally crashed the bus, I think, the, for the first time. I think they've been going for about three days now. So, you know, that's just crazy. That's, that's awesome though. I know it's crazy. Awesome. And what's even more crazy. Awesome is your sound quality just went back up. Yay. Yay. So, uh, yeah, go ahead and check out that desert bus there. I think they use uh Twitch TV for that. So, uh, it has to be better than YouTube. Oh yeah. On Fios. It's amazing. So, but uh, here they have to use that crappy internet up in Canada. Uh, you know, I hear the internet is uh, a little bit worse up there. But uh, yeah. anyways, uh, go and check that out. Um, I'll have to do that later, yeah. Yeah, so even as the host of the food show, which is this show, uh, I promote fasting. Not only will it, uh, Not only will you eat less, it apparently also releases ghrelin. It's a hormone that uh, stimulates hunger feelings, but also learning, memory, and spatial recognition. It helps with, like, a lot of other stuff. So, so. if I fast, I'll have better memory and other things? Yeah. Like, whoever called it fasting was really onto something. Because, personally, like, when I skip, say, dinner, uh, in the evenings I notice I'm more alert, I'm more aware... And, you know, just generally more awake. And, uh, at least personally for me, you know, you know, the feeling of being full does not last forever. Uh, fortunately, the feeling of being hungry doesn't either. So, like, if I can just, like, power through, like, the 30 to 60 minutes of feeling really hungry, it's totally over. So. No, I just eat in that period, but, uh, no, I'll try doing that sometime. Yeah. Uh, I love eating. Yeah. So, hey, I remember Spruce, uh, my random sentence generator. Um, I heard about this, but I don't remember it too well. What was it about? Um, it was just, uh, so it's a Python script. I uh, give it, you know, sort of like a dictionary, and it uh, picks a verb and a noun. And it, you know, randomly chooses, you know, like adjectives, adverbs, and stuff. And, uh, you know, creates some really random, uh, you know, stuff. Uh, sometimes it gets onto something really profound. Uh, other times it's just hilarious. Um, and sometimes it just doesn't really make sense. But, uh, I found a blog title generator, uh, that, you know, gives out random hipster titles. Uh, sometimes it's hilarious, and other times it makes sense. So, are you looking at this right now? Yeah, I am. Uh, have you implemented this in your blog yet? Uh, no. I don't really want to. I just, you know, found this and said, hey, it's sort of like what I was doing. Yeah. So, so, like, it has, it has a fairly limited vocabulary, 
But, um, you know, sometimes it says something like, Why making tacos suffocated my cat? Yeah, that's uh, hilarious. Uh, why? Well, I noticed a lot of Bitcoin issues. Like, I'm just clicking on all of them. Yeah. Uh, why quitting the internet enhanced the toilet paper I used? So, um, let's see how cooking hot dogs suffocated my cat. How uh, passwording my Wi-Fi changed Node.js package manager. Yeah. <laughs> um, how worrying about CSS selector performance changed the toilet paper I used. <laughs> how filing my taxes influenced my shares of Apple. Let's see, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, it actually makes sense. Uh, let's see, I got one of those here. Um, let's see, yeah, how passwording my Wi-Fi revolutionized Bitcoin. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So, hey, uh, for the first time in a long time, uh, there is now a Kickstarter of the week. A Kickstarter of the week? Yeah, you don't say. Yay! Everyone so, loves Kickstarter. So, uh, can you tell us about this? So, this is a really awesome Kickstarter. So, um, I've, I've talked about it on the other show on the network, uh, ATN, um, Arduino microcontrollers. And they're really cheap, really slow microcontrollers that can do a few simple things. So, if you're trying to make a little crappy arcade system to entertain some 8th graders, it's perfect for that. But... I mean, if you want to do something something really cool and you're stupid like me and you can't use C, then you're just you're just screwed. Um, but so this guy started a Kickstarter to to make Python able to be used on microcontrollers because you know Python inherently isn't low level like it can't take hardware control and other things. Yeah. But this guy went out and um, he designed his own microcontroller um, based off of an ARM architecture. And um, it's basically just like any other microcontroller, except for, for the first time ever, it uses a scripting language like Python to handle everything. Um, and so um, this is just, uh, it's fully funded already, but you can still get in on the action if you want to buy, or at some certain reward levels, you can actually get a board. So for 24 euros, you can get your own board. Um, and it's cool like the projects are limitless like the board itself has gyroscope sensors and he's got great tutorials about how to use python for everything and if you just want to be like a little hobby roboticist or just play with playing with electronics it seems like a cool way to get started yeah so uh yeah i've i've sort of seen you know projects like this going around but uh, yeah this is awesome that someone's doing it in python yeah cuz uh, you used to like didn't you? Uh, yeah. Um, I I wouldn't say used to like it. I still do. It's just that I haven't used it in a while. So, oh. so yeah. I still want to uh, you know at some point maybe improve uh, you know that random sentence generator I got. So, yeah. So yeah. So they said like this is uh, what twenty euros you said? Uh, twenty four euros. Um, to get it here in the United States. It's ah. 20 in the UK. Okay. Um, but no, and uh, for only $1,000, you can have the guy, like, um, he'll deliver it by June. He'll import one of your favorite Python libraries to be able to be used for this. Because right now there's not many libraries and other things, but um, if you back him for $1,000, he'll personally get to work on one of these. Ah, uh, but there's one problem with this. What's the big problem? It doesn't use the... It uses the not real version of Python, Python 3. You don't like 3? I thought that you didn't like 3. Uh, no, I, I like 3. Um, <laughs> I had to use 3 in my classes. Oh. Awesome. So, yeah, it's uh, sort of unfortunate that, uh, you know, even though it's been out for, like, five years, that, you know... The Python three adoption is still rather slow. See, I blame Google heavily for that <laughs> because when it first happened, they basically said no, and anyone who uses it, uh, you're not cool like us. And that actually changed the minds of quite a few people because uh, normally, uh, if Google does it, everyone jumps boards on it. Ah, uh, uh, but then Google is like Google, you know, and stops supporting everything. 
sooner or later they will. <laughs> so well, I bet it'll only take about two years for them to start using Python three. Raspberry? 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 Raspberry! Raspberry! Hey, uh, there's two million raspberries uh, have been sold. You know that? Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, in less than two years, uh, which uh, surprised them a whole lot. So they uh, expected to sell their two millionth raspberry pie sometime in January or February, but it happened in the last week of October. Well, they're uh, ahead of schedule. Yeah, so uh, I got my uh, Raspberry Pi right here. So, you know, you uh, mentioning that, uh, you know, that Python microcontroller thing, you know, uh, see, it looks like that uh, that Python thing used an ARM V7 chip, whereas uh, Raspberry Pi only uses an ARM V6, which I'm not exactly sure how like fat how much faster or slower it is but uh yeah so i think your raspberry pi even though it might be, have a little slower clock speed has um many more features like this is just for doing basic crap like uh yeah. not running an os yeah um you know of course the raspberry pi has a bunch more ports on it so, oh yeah lots of uh, like standardized ports and not just uh io pins so but uh you know still you can do has a lot with pins Yep, uh, still has those on it. So, yep, good going, Raspberry. Yeah, cool. So, um, I don't think we have a lull Apple this week, but we do have a lull Microsoft. A lull Microsoft? Yeah. You got... um, and not Microsoft themselves, just people using Microsoft in the wrong places. So, you're going to do your laugh? Oh. Um... <laughs> That was epic. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, through um, if you ever go to an airport or bus station or all over, you always see displays that are just updating and saying, like, um, what route's going where. And normally it looks really nice like to see that. But yeah. have you ever gone to somewhere and just seen their little browser thing just crash and notify, hey, your computer was recently updated? Or um, something funny happened in the background. Let's see. I I haven't seen it myself, but uh, like on the daily WTF, like every Friday they have like a, an all error edition, and uh, there's a remarkable amount of you know pictures just like these, where you know someone has used Windows on their display kiosk or like even worse like you know. I don't think there's been any in Times Square, but like in places like Times Square where there's huge billboards on the side of buildings and like you can very clearly see that dude your operating system is showing. Yeah, it's it's always funny when they do that. And so one of these pictures actually shows that the um guy like instead of disabling the screensaver just has a little um program running and it just jiggles the mouse, like it just moves the mouse to keep it from falling asleep. Yeah, um, yeah that, that's just crazy. Yeah, that you know sort of tells you how much you know people know about operating systems. So, yeah. like one of the very first things that you learn about Windows or you find out is, oh, I can change a screensaver on this. So, yeah. so yeah, of course I can't exactly remember exactly when the last time I used a screensaver. Yeah, I know you have a CRT, but um, that's uh, that... the only time I actually used one. Like when I had uh, had to watch out for that on CRTs. Yeah, and uh, you know, pretty much with the advent of you know LCD monitors, you know, people decided you know screensavers are lame, and if you try to search for screensavers, you're only going to get a virus. That is very true. Yeah, so it used to be that way with people and their darn clip art. So, yeah. but, uh, yeah, it, uh, see, I, I remember reading in comments somewhere that, you know, there's actually distributions of Linux that are, you know, sort of are geared towards, you know, presentation displays like these. 
So, yeah, like at our old high school, um, we had a little carousel thing that ran, and so every computer in the broadcast journalism room was always a Mac, except for the Windows 2000 machine that ran the carousel, and was always crashing. Like something would pop up, and it would just show the background of Windows, and then he'd have to go up and click it to make it show on all the TVs in the building. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, hey, uh, I've heard of people using Raspberry Pis for these. Cool. So, yep. So, but, um, yeah, it, it's a little bit more involved than just, you know, loading up LibreOffice on one of these and uh, doing, like, that PowerPoint uh, replacement thing. So, but, uh, yeah, awesome. So, uh, you know about hard drives, right? I think I have one or two. So, uh, you know about uh, the Backblaze? No, I do not. So they they are a, uh, a cloud backup service company. And uh, as always, remember that today is International Backup Awareness Day. Oh, I forgot it was today. I have to remember that. Yeah. Tomorrow. <laughs> so um, they have uh, quite a bit of statistics about hard drives since they're running thousands upon thousands of them. Um, they, uh, recently released a report about how long their hard drives last. Cool, because I always hear about people saying that you have to replace them quickly because to watch out for data loss. And stuff. Yeah, so, um, uh, Backblaze, you know, you know, put up a lot of pretty charts on their blog here, and they, uh, essentially observed a bathtub curve. So, you know, essentially... There's a, I want I wouldn't say a major spike, but a noticeable, you know, chunk of uh, drives dying like really early on due to inf infant mortality, uh, you know, where you know there's something you know like a manufacturing defect in the drive that causes it to, uh, you know, die pretty soon after it you know starts being used, and then you know that sort of flattens out, but then about uh, the third year, they start failure start picking up, and like really a lot. But uh, apparently, Backblaze has only been in operation for about four years, so they only have data for about four years. Um, at which point, seventy five percent of their hard drives are still operational. That's that's actually pretty good. Yeah. Um... You know, it's a lot lower than you think, uh, you know, looking at, you know, say, Newegg drive reviews. Yeah, I've, I've never really trusted too many reviews because I've had, like, one hard drive burn out on me. Like, uh, I don't have disk failure that often. But then yeah. I, I never use them in a commercial setting that heavily. So, yeah, and again, you know, this is a commercial operation. They're, they are stuck in data centers. And, uh, like, Backblaze sort of has their own custom pod that they stick, I don't know, like, 40 or 50 drives into each. You know, granted, they have, you know, big flans, fans blowing through them, uh, you know, to keep them ventilated. But, you know, even then, you know, temperatures would be a little bit elevated. Um, so, uh, um, you know, personally, I've had you know, maybe 10 to 15 hard drives. And the only one that I've had go bad was probably because I static bombed it. Ooh. So, yeah. I almost threw my keys on top of one, and that did it to one. Ooh. So, yeah. Especially in, uh, you know, winter, you know, like this, you know, static electricity builds up quite a bit. But, uh you know, like, so long as your computer is plugged in and you touch the metal surface, like the case, you know, that should discharge you if, you know, it's properly grounded. And uh, you can also, you know, touch the screw in the middle of, uh, like, a power outlet, you know, face, or, you know, a screw on a wall switch. Mm -hmm. so. Back when I had braces, I'd always just touch my teeth. <laughs> but I never knew if that actually ended up working. Yeah. So, so you know, there's some cool hard drives on the market right now. Like, there's some three terabytes and some four terabytes out there. Yeah. Um, but uh, I got some but, breaking news for you. Oh. Breaking news. Breaking news. News. Breaking news. News. Breaking news. Um, you can now get some six terabyte helium filled hard drives. Wow. And, uh, yeah, that's uh pretty awesome. 
Um, so I don't know how many desktops can actually use this because um, when I bought my motherboard, it was actually a big feature that it could actually have a three terabyte hard drive because um, motherboards before then couldn't handle um, more than three gigs or three ter- terabytes. So I don't yeah. know who can use these, but these look really cool. Um, I think that was more of a feature of UEFI, which, uh, you know, due to like some addressing restraints, you know, sort of restricted drives to about like 2.2 terabytes or so. So, mm. and you also had to have a 64-bit operating system along with UEFI to, you know, go to 3 terabytes. So, you know, I I would imagine that going to 6 wouldn't be uh uh too much of a big deal. But uh yeah, these are helium field filled rather than just, you know, sort of like sort of air ventilated. Uh, because, like, conventional hard drives are filled with, you know, air, uh, and they're not sealed. You know, on hard drives, if you have ever yeah. noticed a hole... Mm-hmm. Like, I once was boiling a hard drive, and I saw the smoke coming right out the top and stuff. <laughs> really? Yeah, um, I was, uh, me and Ryan were hanging out in my garage, and I just took a can of map gas, and I started, uh, boiling one from the bottom out, and it just started getting all cool, and it just smelled awful, and my garage stunk for about a month afterwards. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, it, it, they do, they do have smoke holes. Yeah, and, uh, when a hard drive initially spins up, it sucks a little bit of air inside, because of, like, rotation of platters or something. Uh, but apparently they've uh, figured out that helium is, you know, it apparently is has less friction than air. So it can get, the heads can get closer to the platters, and you can stick more platters into a drive. Uh, apparently uh, seven up from five uh, in the uh, same space. So this is uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, and apparently they also uh, are run cooler, so they might actually last longer. Yeah, that actually makes sense. Yeah. So, but yeah. Un- unfortunately, uh, helium is also sort of expensive, and uh, it looks like a HGST, uh, which is like Hitachi Global Storage Technologies. I think they're owned by Western Digital now, but. Uh, uh, like they said, they're, they're going to be selling these at a profit, so they're going to be really expensive. But, uh, you know... Just gotta so, wait for the hydrogen model. So, uh, you know, they're only really going to be used in data centers. So, yeah. But, but uh, it's uh, still a big feat. I mean, six terabytes is a lot. Yeah, and, uh, like, consumer drives pretty much uh, top out at four terabytes. Mm-hmm. So... Yep. Uh, I guess the uh, floods in Thailand didn't set this back too much. Yeah. So I mean, uh, when, when the floodwaters come in, they'll just float above the water. <laughs> I guess, you know, since they are sealed. So. Yeah. But why have six terabytes when you can have ten terabytes? Ten? Uh, how can you get ten terabytes? Um, uh, the Chinese internet company Tencent is talking about 10 terabytes of free cloud storage. Wow, cool. So, you know, then again, this is a Chinese company, so, you know, do beware. Although I'm not exactly sure if uh, the NSA would be monitoring this. Oh, they probably are. So, but, uh, yeah, uh, 10 terabytes. So I wonder, like, if they're having any, if they have any redundancy with this. Because, like, if, you know, a single hard drive crashes in their data center, you know, like, someone, you know, someone could potentially lose, like, half their stuff. Or more, all of it, or... So... So, yeah. yeah. That's crazy, though. I mean, have you signed up for this? Uh, I don't think it's uh, actually gone live yet. They said they're talking about uh, doing it in early 2014. Hmm. That's uh, going to be coming soon, though. Yeah. So, uh, but if you can wait just a little bit longer, in 2016, uh, we might be able to have 60 terabyte drives, uh, thanks to a new technology called heat-assisted magnetic recording. Uh, both uh, Seagate and Western Digital are working on this. So, 
wow, 60 terabytes. That's uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so uh, like conventional hard drives are you know essentially magnetic storage devices, uh, whereas this, uh, the idea behind this is like there's a laser that heats up the drive platter, and then you know the data gets recorded, and then as it cools, it shrinks back down. So you can have a, a greater storage density, uh, upwards of four terabits per square inch, uh, up from seven hundred and fifty. Yeah, but I wonder what like the seek time, like how like it's got to if it has to heat up like that, it must take forever to access the data. Or, or is that just for writing? Can you, can it read? Uh, that's just for writing. So I I imagine that reads would be uh, not impacted. Hmm. Because wait, I never have problems waiting a little longer for something to write, but I always like having fast read speeds. That's actually really cool. Yeah, I so, can't wait for the future to get here. Yep. Uh, then again, I think I I remember a quote that said the future has already happened. It's just not evenly distributed yet. <laughs> so yeah, because you remember reading uh, like um like six years ago, uh, IBM kept on saying how instead of hard drives, everyone's going to be having these little quartz crystals and like there'd be little laser engretchings on the top uh, face of a crystal and that's what would be how people stored things in the future. Huh. But that, uh, that never caught on. Yeah. And, they, and then IBM decided, okay, we're going to get out of storage now. Yeah, they got out of everything. Yeah, pretty much. So I think they are uh, still building mainframes. Yeah, but you can't buy any consumer products from them anymore. Yeah, I think they sold that to Lenovo. Yes, they did. So, uh, yeah. hey, uh, speaking of mainframes, this is almost a mainframe. But, uh, you know, sometimes the show likes to branch out a little bit because, you know, something else is just so awesome. In what is perhaps the vainest show of disgusting performance ever, uh, PC Gamer Magazine has built the Large Pixel Collider, uh, complete with 64 gigabytes of RAM, an i7-4960X, four GTX Titans, uh, and they wired it all up with liquid cooling. Wow, that's crazy. So this is just a gaming PC? Uh, yeah, just a really souped-up gaming PC. Huh. So, don't the Titans come with onboard GDR5 or whatever? Or? I think so. Um, I'm not so, sure how many gigabytes of you know RAM they come with, but you know four is absolutely insane. Yeah, I mean, how can they saturate 64 gigs of RAM? I mean, that's just they're probably not. But okay, uh, it's just a gimmick. But that that looks amazing. Yeah. So, uh, like, they're talking about doing uh, 4K uh, gaming and stuff on this. But, uh, you know, I watched that, uh, the uh, the uh, video there, and, uh, you know, like, it's, they sort of, like, dramatize it a little bit. But, uh, you know, it just shows the editors, you know, sitting around a table. It's like, okay, what is the future? And, uh, and then, like, they, you know, discuss a few things, and then it's like, okay... Two GTX Titans, and, like, two of the editors are ho- both holding two. And it's like, you didn't get the memo? Okay, whatever. Four GTX Titans. Yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> so, yeah, it looks like they're going to, at least they say they're going to keep this updated. So, which is uh, pretty awesome. Yeah. So, like, it, it won't stay like this forever, so... Yeah. So, what kind of monitors do they have going along with this? Uh, I think right now they have uh, like thirty-inch panels, uh, since it's like a fourteen by forty resolution, uh, seventy-eight sixty by fourteen forty. So, wow. which I believe is uh, it would be a three thirty-inch monitor side by side, sort of like what I have. That must be a lot of fun to play with. Yeah. But, uh, like, I've noticed with, uh, like, three monitors that first-person shooters are, they kind of get dizzy at that, you know, wide angle. Um, Let's see. And, uh, like, especially older games, like, they're not exactly optimized for it, so the interface gets sort of messed up. 
Yeah, but Gildor was really perfect on that. So like you have one monitor just for your spells and your inventory. And uh, like the unfortunately for the games that do support it, it knocks my frame rate down to thirty FPS from sixty. So, but uh, that's a quite quite a bit of a reduction. Yeah, but uh, then again, I have an old crusty GeForce GTX six eighty. So, which is still a pretty good card. It is, but uh, it's not for Titans. Uh, indeed, it's not for Titans. But uh, you know, I think I would rather spend that money elsewhere. <laughs> so yeah, but uh, yeah, uh, rock on. Hey, so I hear you uh, like Ubuntu a lot. Uh, like, uh, you use it every day. Um. I sort of use it, and by sort of use it, I mean use distributions that are based from it. And, like, you got Canonical shirts, you just love Canonical and everything? I, I don't think I have any Canonical swag, oh. actually. Really? Mm, mm. Pretty sure I don't. Everyone loves them, though, right? Uh, well, apparently not Mar Martin Grosslin. Um uh Apparently, he has stopped working on open source entirely, citing poisonous community and leadership in Ubuntu. No, no, Ubuntu is like humanity towards each other. It's a, a beautiful thing. And that's what it's called. It's what it means. Yeah, and it was great like 10 years ago or whenever it started. Uh, but Martin here says, I had to learn that it is no longer possible to criticize the Ubuntu slash canonical uh, for their technical difficult technical decisions and to disagree with them. There are too many users who seem to think that Ubuntu is a religion and canonical is without fail. If you criticize technical decisions, you are a heretic and the Holy Inquisition is coming after you to burn you. Ubuntu has lost its meaning. There is no human kindness in this community anymore. Wow, that's uh, pretty harsh. Yeah. So it sounds like Shuttleworth is the next Jobs. Wow, that's actually uh, pretty accurate. Yeah. So um, yeah, apparently he was working on KDE and uh, KWin. So, nah, nobody likes that. Yeah. Everyone likes GNOME. Um. Well, I think people are sort of hating on GNOME too, or GNOME three actually. Okay. I use two, GNOME 2.6. It's great. Wow, going all the way back. It, it, it works. There's no reason to change it. And you can make it look just like XP. <laughs> oh, really? XP? Uh, it's beautiful. I love it. Hmm. Well, to each his own, I guess. So. But, uh, hey, uh, remember what we talked about Google with? Hmm. You know about how they like to shut everything down. Th that they do. They never they make a great service or a great lab or a great extension. They have to announce its closure within a week. Yeah. So unbeknownst to me, uh, Oracle is becoming a lot like that. So they uh, you know exist to kill their own products. It's happened to OpenOffice. It's happened to Solaris, and arguably it's happened to MySQL as well. Um, apparently, it's happened also to Glassfish. So, whenever I download Java, it's always asking me if I want to download Glassfish, and I'm always like, yuck, no, but what actually is Glassfish? Uh, Glassfish is, uh, like, the Java uh, server. So, you know, it's just like a web server. It's sort of like Apache, but it's specialized to run Java applications. Oh, cool. So, like, if... Uh, so, it sounds important, and people need it. Yeah, so uh, Java-based applications power like a lot of internal applications at companies. Um, unfortunately, I've never bit worked at one that has actually used Glassfish. Uh, but for me, I found that it works really well. Um, like, I remember, like, five years ago, uh, you know, working with uh, Tom Chris on a uh, project, uh, let's see, I think it was like a web services project in college, and uh, we were supposed to, you know, do stuff that we hadn't used before. And uh, we found out that, or at least I, you know, was looking around and, and uh, Glassfish and really did web services well, uh, like amazingly well out of the box. 
unlike a lot of other things that just kept on not working. So, and then we slapped a Postgres database on that. And, uh, you know, I've pretty much used that same uh, stack ever since. Well, cool. Yeah, but uh, not anymore because Oracle has abandoned support, at least uh, commercial support for Glassfish. So it doesn't look like there's going to be anything uh, new coming. Uh, so unless uh, somebody says fork you uh, to Oracle uh, for, I probably be like the second or third time. It looks like I might have to be changing servers soon. Uh, hopefully Wildfly turns out to be awesome. Uh, Wildfly is uh, apparently the new name of uh, JBoss, uh, which is, you know, another Java-based server that, you know, is pretty much the primary competition to Glassfish. Hmm. So apparently the uh, Wildfly 8 beta was recently released uh, last month. So, yeah. Have you tried that out yet? Uh, not yet, mostly because it's in beta. And uh, I'm not exactly demanding uh, further features from my current server. Okay. So, but yeah. I definitely. Oh, it's a Red Hat project. Yes. So, cool. um, something that I'll be uh, keeping tabs on. So, uh, hey, speaking about web, uh, websites, anyways, uh, looks like websites are converging on the same small set of designs. It's sort of unfortunate that you can tell what a company does just by glancing at their homepage without really reading anything. I think that's what they're supposed to be. Like, you don't have to, like, people like me hate reading things. And so it's great when the website is self-explanatory and, you know, is pretty and really easy to figure out. But it sounds a lot like a monopoly. Monopolies are good for a few people. So, um, you know, for instance, if, you know, you're showing, say, an iPhone app, you always have, you know, like an iPhone with, you know, in someone's hand, you know, showing you it, which, you know, sort seems like a good idea, but, Everyone does it now. So, and, uh, you know, likewise, if it's uh, an, a, a program for Mac OS, you know, it's always a MacBook and so forth. So, and, uh, yeah, it's, you know, I read this post here and it sort of like made me think. It's like, yep, that's that's pretty much what all of them are. So, you know. Looks like we might need some more creativity in uh, visual design. Yeah, but uh, you'll never get that, at least not for a while. So it it takes a little time. So uh, hey, uh, speaking of uh, like visual design, um, let's see. When was the last time you used Firefox? Um, about twenty minutes ago. Awesome. Um, did you like the interface with that? It is. Um, I love uh, the mobile Firefox on the Android. Ah, Android. Let's see. It looks like a new user interface is coming called Australis, and it's now in the nightly builds uh, for Firefox. So it uh, looks like they're going to be uh, stripping away some of the uh, like the UI Chrome just a little bit more, and uh, you know, making it making the active tab stand out quite a little bit more than it is now and you know they're sort of making it uh, touch friendly I love when things are touch friendly so and I'm not exactly sure how I think about this you know it doesn't look like that much of a departure from current design I mean do you like the current design though I do and like I have it like pretty much as minimal as it can get yeah, so does your Ice Fox, or no, uh, Water Fox, does that port over all the designs? Is it an exact skin, but 64-bit, or is it a little different UI? Looking? I haven't used Water Fox in months, but when, oh. I, but when I did, it, uh, you know, it pretty much inherited everything from Firefox. So, except that it was designed blue instead of orange. It's a pretty big difference, though. So, and it was 64-bit. So, 
Like, I'm not exactly sure what version it's up to, but, uh, you know, I pretty much stopped using it because, uh, like, the version was, like, getting way behind. So, mm. yeah, it looks like uh, some visual changes are coming to Firefox soon, so uh, be on the lookout. I will. I'll have to get it for the desktop again. So, uh, hey, desktop and browsers say you wouldn't want to know what your favorite browser is doing. Opera? Yeah. What are they up to? Well, apparently they just released version 18, and it now supports WebRTC. Ooh. Uh, everyone likes WebRTC. Yeah, so, you know, sort of like a Skype, but in a browser. You know, that would probably solve a lot of problems here at the studio. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, your uh, audio quality has remained pretty good. So Don't worry, I'll open up paint again. <laughs> no, 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 no. No paint. So, um, no, but we could do this whole thing over WebRTC someday. Yeah, uh, so long as I can get a program that will uh, you know, allow me to record it or some other setup because uh, my new month laptop decided to fry... Uh, about a month ago. Oh, really? Yeah. I started to hear that. So, yeah, you know, I guess, you know, by today's standards, it was uh, kind of, you know, crappy. So, you know, it had like a Core 2 Duo in it. But, you know, it was still usable. So, but, uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, you know about the Google bots? Um, they're the things that, uh, makes, uh, Google accurate and stuff, right? Yeah, they're sort of like the, uh, you know, like the robots that, you know, browse the web and, you know, save it into Google, you know, so they can, you know, do their indexing and whatnot on it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, every so often I, you know, see one come by my site. Um. Oh, we should take a picture of that. <laughs> well, a picture, hmm, that might be a little bit difficult. Um, especially with the changes I'm putting onto my blog soon. Uh, but uh, anyways, about the Googlebots, they have reportedly started to attempt SQL injection attacks against websites. Wait, wait. So Googlebots are malicious now? Uh, they can be coerced into being malicious, apparently. Oh, hmm. Why would they be doing that? So, uh, this guy, you know noticed that, uh, you know, hey, Googlebots are showing up up in our uh, deny logs. Hey, that looks like it's trying to uh, do SQL injection on it, uh, which was the reason it was, you know, banned. And, you know, he took a look at the IP, and, you know, sure enough, you know, that range did belong to Google. And uh, he uh, doesn't exactly know how it did it, but, you know, apparently he's... uh, you know, onto something that, uh, you know, so some site, you know, some malicious site, you know, posts uh, URLs uh, on their page that, you know, essentially is are these, you know, bad SQL injection type of URLs. Uh, the Googlebot reads those and tries to, you know, actually do a perform that URL, you know, try to get that URL. And that's seems to be what happened here. Hmm. So, you know, just, you know, someone has a link to this other guy's site, which tries to, you know, do a SQL injection. But, uh, you know, it's sort of like a roundabout way of doing things, because, you know, wouldn't you yourself want to SQL inject if you wanted to do that? Probably. So, yeah, it's sort of odd. I'm not sure if uh, Google is uh, doing anything about it. But, uh, you know, it's a rather interesting thing that happened. Yeah. I wonder how large of a scale this thing is going on at. That would be an interesting thing to know. But, uh, anyways, uh, we got a little bit more uh, serious things to worry about, like the NSA. Those guys again. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Mike Hearn has, uh, you know, gone through and, you know, sort of, you know, read all the NSA stuff. And uh, recently, and by recently I mean maybe a month ago or so, that uh, the NSA, uh, due to, you know, the Snowden leaks, 
apparently they've had access to internal data at Yahoo and Google uh, for quite some time. So, you know, essentially the data that, you know, goes back and forth between all the uh, Google and Yahoo servers around the world. So hmm. it uh, looks like, you know, the, the NSA has sort of intercepted this. And uh, apparently uh, Mike Hearn has, uh, uh, let's see, let's see yeah, a colleague of mine on the Google security team said, after all the usual disclaimers about personal opinions and speak, not speaking for the firm, blah, 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 these guys. Wow, that's uh, pretty strong words. Yeah. So, you know, due to all of this, uh, this newest revelation, it looks like uh, Google and Yahoo are now going to encrypt all internal communications. Yeah, that's sad that they have to do that because that must take a lot more time. Um, actually, not really. Um, I remember, I uh, forget how long ago it was, but I remember doing an article on here that, uh, like, the performance penalty uh, for, you know, encrypting web traffic is only, like, 2% or so. Oh, but, yeah, but, like, I was talking about, like, the rollout time. Like, because any time you change something that big, that what you do, I mean, it's got to be a pain. Um, Maybe not. Well, initially, probably it would, but, you know, after that, it wouldn't be too much. And, uh, you know, besides, you know, these web services have been moving towards, you know, being fully encrypted, at least on the web uh, interfaces, uh, being fully encrypted there. So, mm. but it shouldn't be that too far of a stretch to, you know, do it all internally as well. Do you have anything to appreciate or deprecate? Mm. I gotta appreciate Skype, but not really. Uh, yeah, me too. Um, what about you? Do you have anything? Uh, well, I am trying out KeyPass, which uh, I've heard you guys talk about uh, LastPass all the time, uh, whereas uh, KeyPass is the uh, you know free... Uh, non-proprietary open source version of uh, LastPass uh, but without uh, any kind of uh, cloud uh, storage uh, like sort of built in uh, and it's also free hmm. so cool um, currently, so, I'm, currently I'm uh, sort of tr trying this out a little bit and it seems to be working okay so how do you bring the files to another computer? Do you just have a thumb drive with all your stuff and you just leave it there, or um, that? And uh, let's see, I you know I put it into a SkyDrive, and then like whenever I get to wherever I need it, then I take it off of there. Um, okay. Let's see. Then I also have a really big long uh, password, master password. Um, let's see, I. Uh, our ghost here is uh, you know asking me have I uh, tried KeyPass X and no I have not although I did look at it um, but I like KeyPass because of its uh, broad plugin ecosystem uh, you know for instance there's a plugin for Firefox and Chrome so cool. uh, whereas I don't think KeyPass X does excuse me yeah so, but uh, I'll have to look into that, but that's really cool. I mean, it's really important to have really, really long and, and insanely boring passwords. So, you know, I sort of went insane and did, uh, like, 30-character long passwords and threw every kind of, uh, like, character set at it. Um, so, you know, like, not only the upper, lowercase, and digits and special characters, but also the high ANSI characters. So... Like I've never I'm, done that. Yeah, I'm getting like weird accented characters and fractions and like all these other special characters. But sooner or later, that's going to break one of the sites you try to make a password on. 
Um, I think it's happened a few times, but those are more the exception rather than the rule. Yeah, because I've had things where they won't let me make a pass for more than 16 characters. Uh, yeah, uh, F.U. Microsoft. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, it seems like a lot of forum, like a lot of forum software will allow you to use, uh, you know, these weird characters. Well, cool. So, sooner or later, you got to make a multi-authentication grid, though, because that's what all the cool people have now. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see, it sort of does uh, multiple authentication, uh, at least for the, uh, uh, like, the, like, your master database. So, you know, you have your password, you can have, like, a special file that, you know, can generate stuff off of, and apparently you can also enter in... Uh, uh, like Windows accounts themselves, which seems really dangerous to me for some reason. That's probably fine. So, I mean, but like if your computer crashes, you know, like you better have a backup. And like if you restore your backup to a new machine, like it might not like that machine. So. Yeah. But, uh, anyways, uh, it seems to be okay. I suppose I will be, uh, talking about this later. Um, like, especially at work. Like, I really want to get this happening at work. Because, like, I have, like, a billion different environments that I have to log into, uh, occasionally. So, you know, having unique passwords definitely help with that. So... But so can you have a so one of the things about LastPass is you can have a, a whole like you can have little folders of crap and you can have a shared one because if you're working at work like um like if you, if you have to surrender your passwords to one of your coworkers like can you share passwords easily enough um i suppose but then you know generating a new password wouldn't be too bad so okay but but you know if uh, some coworker needs to get into my environment you know like, pretty much everyone has a user account on everyone else's uh, environment. So, like, oh, okay. all, all I need to do is go in there, look at their user account, and say, you know, change their password, or at least generate a new password for them. And then, you know, email gets sent over to them. They're like, okay, thanks. Okay. So. Cool. Yeah, it's, it, the, uh, the environment I work in is, like, sort of, uh, really cloud-based, actually. So, you know, like, I have my Eclipse sitting on my laptop, and then that talks to some, you know, server sitting somewhere else in the cloud, and that's, you know, like, my development environment, and, like, the staging and production is the same way. So, like, there's no servers that we own, you know, for our platform. Hmm. So. Cool. So, yeah, it seems to have worked quite well. So, hey, uh, we got some podcast feedback this week. You got feedback? Cool. Yeah. Uh, hey, it looked like it came from Matt. Oh, I'm Mitch today, so I don't know who that is. Uh, there. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, okay. Mitch has some feedback for you. <laughs> so, uh, what did uh, Mitch uh, ask? Well, first he asked, how much did he love listening to your supercut? And he says he likes it a lot. Like, oh, uh, that's that's a lot. Thanks. Yeah. Because uh, I, I, the one Mitch figured out that it takes a long time and a lot of listening to make a supercut. Oh, yes, it did. That took yeah. me like three to four hours. Um, and like I didn't even go through the entire uh, backlog. I pretty much started... Uh, when the podcast got really good, which is about episode 15, and then looked at all the episodes with guests in them, uh, and then, you know, Chris sort of, you know, wandered in there, and I wanted to get, you know, sort of like the uh, funny uh, clips and funny stuff I've said. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's impossible to get, like, all of it. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I definitely wanted to get in uh, somewhere where... Uh, uh, Chris said, oh, Apple Syria again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and I was like, oh, we're talking about all these consoles. So, 
Yeah, that uh, turned out really well. Yeah. And uh, also, he also said that you should find a co-host, and that co-host should probably be named Steve. Um, yeah, so I asked Steve about that, and uh, apparently he uh, doesn't want to do that until after deer season. So, oh, so it's, so it's a possibility then. Uh, definitely, but uh, we more, you know, sort of on an intermittent basis. So maybe I could have a rotating panel of co-hosts of some sort. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's it, pretty much. And uh, if you would like to be my co-host or have some other feedback, don't use don't uh, be afraid to use the contact link up there. So, um, yeah, that seems to be it for this podcast. So, um, yeah, go and watch Desert Bus. And uh, in the meantime, I guess I'll be uh, playing some first-person shooters. Uh, it looks like I'm going to be going through the Fear series. Um, so, so you should also try out Guild Wars. You know, I've heard about that, but uh, then again, it's also an MMO, and I sort of hate playing with people. Hmm, really? Hmm, yeah. I know some people dying to be your guild members. <laughs> well, that's nice to know. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, hey, speaking of Guild Wars, I'm not sure if I told this to any of you guys, but, uh, uh, like, I think it's the, like, the main guy that works on the servers at ArenaNet that I wrote his, uh, Wikipedia article. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. So, uh, see, so yeah, I think he might have been, like, one of the first people I had on LinkedIn. Oh, so, awesome. So, and, um, let's see, yep, that's, see, I'll be, uh, probably be playing games over the weekend, so, um, and, uh, Mom probably won't be listening to this one, at least not immediately, because uh, she's, like, not in the country right now. Oh, what country is she in? Uh, Mexico. Oh, cool. So, so yeah, they're down there, uh, you know, partying and, you know, walking around the beach and drinking margaritas and stuff. Hmm. So, you know, they just... She really doesn't like the snow. And it... I, oh yeah, that was that was like when it snowed over here. That it snowed the day before she left, so you know she sort of like wanted to get out of here pretty fast. So, well. like the last phone call I had with her, I uh, said, you know, I'll be uh, sure to keep the snow cold for you, and uh, <laughs> I could just hear the uh, the displeasure dripping from her voice. Yeah. So, because it's hard to wait out the whole winter in Mexico. So, yeah, they'll be back uh pretty soon. So, and uh what are you be doing? You said you'd be uh working for the postal service. Um so that's a possible yes. And so I sat next to a bunch of crack addicts at this temp agency and I had to go up some shady stairs and walk around a bunch of cases of beer from the liquor store because it's it's a the temp agency is above the liquor store, so they have my resume on file. I talked to them a bunch. I ha- I I don't need a job on a bus line, and so they're probably <laughs> going to find work for me. Um, so Outlook is looking good for having a uh, better paying job than I currently do, and most importantly, than having a better paying job, a job that gives me at least forty hours a week. That's a very good job to have. Yeah, because uh, this this uh, zero hours a week nonsense at Nebo is uh, getting to me. Yep. So, but I'm still a member of their team. They say. Oh, how sweet! Yeah. Not get employee really. discount. Oh, well, that is pretty sweet. Yeah, twenty percent off any C plus plus book I want that they have in stock. <laughs> awesome. Which is one, and it's used kind of. It's used kind of. So none of the Hamlin... So at Hamlin University, they have four different math books and one computer science book, and that's that C++ book. And they have three walls of writing, two walls of English, and a wall of philosophy. Like, um, there's, it's crazy. Nobody there knows how to add, and nobody there 
can even think about what a computer is. Yeah, and not having a whole wall dedicated to the stuff, that's like a crime against humanity. Like, there's one book, and then there's four different math books. And it's just crazy. They have hundreds of philosophy books, and like, like hundreds of religion books, and anthropology. I mean, the anthropology, it's like a I mean, that's what I thought. I was. I always thought, like, when you see those at, like, on classes you can sign up for, it was like a joke class. Like, it's like taking bowling. <laughs> but, so, but you can no, look. A, you can look at it the other way and say that because there's hardly any computer science books, that that thing is really in demand, and that you know their whole wall of philosophy books. Well, that's just old inventory that's not doing anything. But people go in there all the time and buy those books. Hmm. Well, at least I had a thought. So, yeah. But we're not going to go into that here. So, that's the fringe. Yep. So, uh, guess we'll uh, talk to you later. Yeah, and thanks for being on the show again. Uh, no problem. So, uh, have a good one. You have a good one.